1: After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Levi. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Issachar. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Zebulun. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Joseph. 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Benjamin. 12,000 were sealed. After these things I looked and behold... A great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in the white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In the word of god you may be seated last week pastor chris had taught on revelation chapter 6 that was the beginning of the tribulation period let me just recall the book of revelation real briefly john is on the isle of patmos he's been exiled for his faith he's been exiled by the Roman Emperor Domitian to the Isle of Patmos and while he's on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day is caught up in the spirit and God gives him a vision and God tells him in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 write the things which you have seen and the things which you are and the things which will take place after this the things which he had seen was the vision of the resurrected Jesus Christ, which we covered in chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3 are the things which are. That's us now. We're in the church age. Chapter 4, he is caught up to heaven, which I believe is a picture of the rapture of the church and the elders, 24 elders, four living creatures are around the throne of God worshiping him. We move into chapter 5, still in the throne room of heaven. And in chapter 5, John sees a lamb who had been slain. The question was, who is worthy to take the scroll? The scroll we determined to be the title deed or the contract deed to the planet earth. No one was worthy, so John begins to weep. But then all of a sudden, he sees this lamb that had just been slain and he moves towards the throne, and he pulls it out of the right hand of God Almighty, because he is the one who is worthy. He fulfilled the contract. Planet Earth, by title, is his. And John takes that scroll, or Jesus takes that scroll, and he begins to unleash judgments on planet Earth, because that's how they're gonna be taken back. It's gonna culminate with the second coming of Jesus Christ, putting his feet on planet earth once again mount zion every seal that is opened is unleashing a judgment on planet earth the seventh seal is going to unleash more judgments but chris wound up with chapter in chapter 6 with the sixth seal and now we come to chapter 7 which is what is a pause in the story, in the action. Before the seventh seal is open, there is a pause, what is called an interlude. It is a pause in the action so God can say something that he needs his people to know in the midst of this judgment. Chapter 6 ended with this question. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who is able to stand? Chapter seven is an answer to that question of who is able to stand. There's going to be two groups of people. Now, just get John's flow here as he is given this vision. It's dramatic, it's traumatic. You're seeing an apocalyptic movie pretty much as it is unfolding. God's wrath is being poured out, judgment is hitting earth, and it looks like a hopeless situation. And really is the question is: who can stand? Who can stand against God's judgment? Who can stand against the wrath of the lamb that's being poured out? And God is going to answer that question in chapter 7. Chapter 7 is a glorious chapter because there are two people, two groups of people that are going to be able to stand the sealed and the saved. And this is such a marvelous chapter because in the midst of the judgment that's taking place, as God's wrath is being poured out, so is his mercy and so is his grace and so is his love and his peace. You've got to grab a hold of that. So often God is indicted. He's indicted because he didn't serve according to our purposes, or he is indicted because we talk about God being a God of righteousness, a God of holiness, and God is also a God that judges. But also, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of love. God is a God of peace. And at the same time where he's unleashing judgment, he's also unleashing his mercy and grace. And that's what you see in chapter 7. It's as if John is recording all of this and it's almost like he's losing hope if you just see the flow of what's going on and you see these judgments coming out it's like where is the hope oh god there's always hope with god i want you to know that today and all of us will stand before god one day the only hope you have is in christ God doesn't owe the world anything. He really doesn't. None of us are righteous. None of us are perfect enough. All of us, to be honest with you, deserve the wrath of God. But because of His love for you, He made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ. And even in the midst where you've got a Christ-rejecting world, a world that damns God, a world that shakes its fist at God, a world that snubs its nose at God, a world that hates God in many, many ways. Here in the midst of his judgment, he's, he's throwing out his grace once again, and he does that. He throws out his grace. He throws out his grace constantly. The world is under the judgment in one sense, It is under the judgment of God in one sense, but that is never going to culminate till the tribulation period, that final seven-year period. It is the final seven-year period also called Jacob's Trouble in the Old Testament. The reason it's called Jacob's Trouble in the Old Testament is because God is not only judging the earth, but He's also bringing His plans with Israel to a culmination. He's going to finish what He started with Israel. And that is important and that is key as we look at the Word of God because the promises of God stand true to this day. And so when God's judgment is going to reach fever pitch, so does His mercy and so does His grace. And so I want to look at the first group of people as we jump into this, and that's the sealed by God. And that is seen in verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8. And as we look at the sealed of God, I want you to first take note of the protection of God, that God's protection of His people is seen here through the way that He seals them. Verse 1. After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, That the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. And I just want you to take note here as we jump into God's protection of His people that wind in the Bible is often used, the four winds, is used as a symbol of God's judgment. That his judgment does blow in fact there's a good example in jeremiah chapter 49 verse 36 when god is talking about judging elam he says against elam i will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven and scatter them toward all those winds there will be no nations where the outcasts of elam will not go so god speaks there in the context of judgment as the four winds being a symbol of his judgment and here God is holding back judgment until he seals his people until he seals his 144 Thousand the word for seal there was used of a signet ring of a king that was put on documents. When a document was written, a seal was put on the, the signet ring would be sort of the stamp that would make the document valid and it would also protect the document. Nobody can open up that document unless it was under the order of the king and who it was written to. So it speaks of not only validity, but it also speaks of protection here so god seals them during this time of tribulation so that they are unharmed during god's judgment verse 2 and 3 then i saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living god and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying do not harm the earth the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our god on their foreheads and we know that In Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, the 144,000, there's another glimpse at the end of the tribulation there, and the 144,000 are standing with the Lamb, and it says that they have the name of God on their forehead. So they are sealed, they are sealed with the name of God on their forehead. How many know that God knows how to protect His people? You know that? God knows how to protect His people. And and you've probably been under the protective hand of God most of your life. And God knows how to do that. We see that in the Old Testament when God protected Noah, did He not? He sends a flood to take out the earth because the earth got exceedingly wicked. And God said, my spirit can't strive with these people anymore. With humanity, they are exceedingly wicked. They are evil. Every thought and intent of their heart is evil and wicked. And so God has no choice but to bring judgment on the world at that time. But in the midst of that judgment, there is righteous Noah. And Noah and his family were saved. They were protected during that judgment time of God. Them and their family were allowed to go into the ark, and judgment didn't hit till the ark till the door of the ark was shut, until the door of the ark was sealed. And so Noah escaped that judgment because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, because of his love for Noah at that time. We also see when the children of Israel were to go into the promised land, they were to take out Jericho. And as they were taking out Jericho, God spared Rahab. God spared Rahab from that judgment that he was bringing on that city We also see it in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah got exceedingly wicked. And so God has to bring judgment down on Sodom and Gomorrah. But what does he do? He spares Lot. Lot is able to get out of the city. He was spared by God because God knows how to protect his own during judgment. And that's what he's going to do with these 144,000 here. He's going to put a seal on them. And as God is pouring out judgment, as wrath is being poured out on the earth and the earth is receiving this judgment, that God is going to bring them through the tribulation period. He's going to bring them through safely. They will go unharmed during this time because God is supernaturally going to protect them. But the question is, why would God protect them? Why does he protect them? Why does he seal them? And that comes to God's purpose for his people. He's going to use them as a witness. Look at verse 3 again. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. The word for servants there is the Greek word doulos. It was used of the apostle Paul. Paul said, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It was used of the apostle Peter. He referred to himself as a bondservant. It was used of Jude. He referred to himself as a bondservant. And it was also used of James. James referred to himself as a bondservant, and their primary role was preaching and teaching the Word of God. And that is the purpose that God is going to seal these 144,000 Jews at this time. They are going to be preachers and teachers of God's Word during this tribulation period. As God's wrath is being poured out, His Word is also going to go out. These 144,000 are not the church. Many scholars and Bible students have tried to say that this is symbolic of the church. But it isn't. He gives you the exact number. How can you read into that? The Jehovah's Witnesses say it's their religion. They say that they're the 144,000 out of the book of Revelation. The problem is that there's come to be more than 144,000 in the Jehovah's Witness religion. And so when you ask them, what happens now? They will tell you that only 144,000 can get into heaven, but you can bump somebody out of heaven. That's real compassionate. That sounds like God let's just bump granny out of heaven. And so but that's to be expected in a works-oriented religion. So many people have have had these odd theories about the 144,000 and more and more saying that it's symbolic of the church at this time, but it's clear the tribes that they come from. It's clear out of how many come from certain tribes. And God is going to use Jewish people, Jewish people during this time, they're going to be Jews that have come to Christ. God's going to seal them, and he's going to use them supernaturally to go out and to preach and to teach his word during the time where God is pouring out the greatest amount of wrath that this earth has ever seen. Don't you find it ironic that here you've got the world that always is despising the Jews. You've got the world that blames the Jews for everything. Some people are even blaming the Jews for global warming. I read an article on that. And so they continue to blame the Jews. They say the Jews are the reason why there is no peace in the world, that they're the stumbling block to peace. And anti-Semitism is on the rise. In Europe, it's going crazy. People are starting to despise the Jews for nothing but living their lives here on earth. They're constantly under attack. There's always a constant threat coming at them. And I find it ironic that the people that God is going to use to save many in the world during this time of wrath being poured out are going to be nothing other than Jewish believers. And I don't know if you've ever ran into a Jewish believer before, but you talk about somebody who's on fire for Jesus Christ, it is a Jewish believer. When these Orthodox Jews come out and they find out that the feasts of God were implemented to point to Christ, when they find out that everything in the Old Testament was to picture and portray Jesus Christ and then all of a sudden their eyes are open, they cannot shut up about Jesus. Sam Rotman, many of you have heard him play piano here. He's a world-class piano player and he goes all over the world playing the piano, and he was an Orthodox Jew, and when he went to Juilliard School of Music, there were three Christians that were also in the school, and they asked him, have you ever read the New Testament? And he said, no, I didn't want anything to do with the New Testament. He was raised totally different in the Jewish faith, and he read the New Testament. He ends up coming to Jesus Christ, and now God gives him platforms all over the the world. I'm talking Russia. I'm talking China. I'm talking communist countries. And every time he plays the piano, he gives his testimony. And he gives his testimony of how he thought he was a moral, good person in good standing with God. But then when he heard the gospel, when he read those gospels, he realized that he was a sinner in need of a savior. And when he comes here, we tell people, go and bite, and bite unbelievers. They're going to come just because he's Sam Rotman. But when he's playing the piano, he'll He'll stop in the middle of his performance, and he'll get up, and he'll tell people about Jesus. And when you talk to him personally, that's all he talks about is Jesus. But, you know, Jacob Prash's wife was with him on this last time Jacob Prash came, and I had dinner with them, and we were at Johnny Carino's. I'd never met his wife, Pavia, before, And Pavia comes, her family was a Holocaust survivor. She came to Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. She received Christ. And when we were at dinner and I was talking to her, all she talked about was Jesus. And all that she talked about was the gospel. I wanted to get on my knees in the restaurant and cry out for repentance right there all over again. That's how strong she is with the gospel. There is nobody stronger In preaching the gospel, then Jews that have gotten saved. Think of the Apostle Paul when he came to Christ. He realized that the whole religious life that he lived before was totally outside of God's will. And when he got saved, you couldn't stop the Apostle Paul. During the tribulation period, you're going to have 144,000 Apostle Pauls. You're going to have 144,000 Sam Rotmans. You're going to have 144,000 precious preaching the gospel all over the world, and people are going to come to Jesus Christ. God will seal them. They are going to be the group that will not be martyred for their faith, and they're going to continue to preach until the Lord comes back because God has sealed them. Do you realize that even you, as a believer today in Jesus Christ, that you are sealed? Do you realize that? In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, it says, In him, you also trusted, speaking of Christ, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You were sealed. You were sealed by the Lord. And check this out, guys. You were sealed for a purpose. God has kept you in this world, and he has sealed you to be one of his witnesses. Do you realize that, that your highest calling in this world is to serve God and witness to Jesus Christ? God has left you here for a reason. He has not taken you home for a reason. How great would it be when we answered the altar call that we would be taken straight to heaven? Beam me up, Scotty. That's it just take me up. I mean, that would have been nice, huh? We would have been spared all the tribulation of this world. We would have been spared all the trials of this world. And you know, how many want to receive Christ? Chris, last week, if you want to receive Christ, just stand. Imagine when they stood, they just boom, straight up to heaven. That would have been nice, but God has left you here and he sealed you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are called to be his witnesses. Now I want you to see something else in this passage, and that's God's promises to his people they are going to be fulfilled. Some people believe that God is actually through with Israel. Some people actually teach that when Israel as a nation rejected Jesus as the Messiah, that God was finished with them, and now the church has replaced Israel. And that is the furthest thing from the church, and that also breeds anti-Semitism. We don't believe that here because we believe, like here in chapter 7, you've got 144,000 Jews that God's going to save, and he's going to save them at the end of the tribulation, the rest of ethnic Israel. Romans 11, verses 25 to 27 says, this is the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited.